0: Hello everybody, and uh, welcome once again as we continue on in a series we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. We are well into this series. This is like 21 weeks, and uh, that's, a, that's a long series, and I'm about halfway done, so probably the longest series I've ever taken on. Um, but we're, we're talking about digging deeper, and, and my encouragement through all of this is to help us all to connect more deeply and more richly to God, because that's really what it's all about, too. Uh, and so it, we're trying to talk about some sort of disciplines in our lives to help us be better disciples so we can experience life, a, a, a more abundant life, a, the happy long life that was in the kids verse that comes from walking this thing out the way God wants us to. And and uh, that becomes, uh, you know, something that we can do as we get more in tune with um, what God's up to and what he's doing in our lives. And uh, you know, I was thinking this week how amazing it is that um, we have relationship with God. Uh, you know, sometimes I think we'll, we, we get so used to just saying it, like I'll say, okay, well, let's pray. And we, we bow our heads and, and, and we start to pray. How amazing is it? I mean, do you, do you stop and think how amazing it is that God connects with us in that moment? We're not just tossing words out into emptiness. We're connecting with the living God who created everything who desires to connect with us. And, and I think sometimes we can get so sort of used to it that we're, we're, we're sort of not connecting with how amazing all that is. And so my, my hope has been, as we take our time through this and we're looking through sections of scripture together, that we'll, we'll start each day by being better connected and then throughout the day, we'll we'll stay more focused and more able to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, to to lead us, to guide us, to help us not get to the end of a day and realize that we haven't really been uh, all that true to our walk and that the the simple things that we've talked about, loving God and loving others and loving ourselves by being thankful and encouraging and doing the next right thing have passed us by because we've been so self-focused on other things. And so in this series, we've talked about getting focused so far in the most holy place and a perspective from the throne room. We've, we've talked about getting thankful and uh, what it means to rejoice and what joy is. And we, we've talked about getting connected. We did a whole series on that and, and working through the Lord's Prayer together. And now the section that we're working on is called, uh, we're, I called it getting dressed. And we're talking about the armor that God prepares for us, the spiritual armor and the spiritual battle that we're all engaged in as believers. And what that looks like and being aware of it and, and not just kind of slipping through life like it's not going on all around us, but understanding that it's a big part of what's taking place is that we're involved in this battle. And and what, what the battle looks like and how we prepare for it is what we're talking about uh, now as we move into Ephesians 6 together. Um, But because it's Father's Day, I got a couple of stories that I'd like to share with you and uh, we'll rate them for the next uh, three groups. You can tell me how it goes. This pastor is walking down a country lane. He sees a young farmer struggling to load hay back onto a cart after it had fallen off. You look hot, my son, said the pastor. Why don't you rest a moment and I'll give you a hand. No thanks, said the young man. My father wouldn't like it. Don't be silly, the pastor said. Everyone is entitled to a break. Come and have a drink of water. And again, the young man protested that his father would be upset. Getting a little frustrated, the pastor says, your father must be a real slave driver. Tell me where I can find him and I'll give him a piece of my mind. Well, replied the young uh, farmer, he's under the load of hay. Okay. I got two, so that one didn't have to work. This one's a little deeper. A boy is about to go out on his first date and he's nervous about what to talk about. So he asks his father for advice and the father replies, my son, there are three subjects that always work. These are food, family, and philosophy. So the boy picks up his date and they go to an ice cream shop and they have ice creams in front of them and they're just kind of staring at each other for a long time and the boy's nervousness is just building and building and he, he remembers his father's advice and he chooses the first topic and he says to the girl, he says, hey, do you like spinach? And she says, no, and the silence returns. And after a few more uncomfortable minutes, the boy thinks of his father's suggestion and turns to the second item on the list, and he says, well, do you have a brother? And again, the girl says, no, and there's silence once again. The boy then plays his last card. He thinks of his father's advice, and he asks the girl, the girl the following question. Well, if you had a brother, would he like spinach? That's really funny, you'll get that later. Food, family, philosophy. I oh, Never mind, if I got to explain it then. <sighs> I, was, I roared. I was in my office. See, that's what happens to me. I'm, I just, I'm, and then I thought, they'll hate it, it's perfect. Scripture reading I put here on purpose. Matthew 16, 13 and 17 through 17 in the message paraphrase. When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who the son of man is? And they replied, some think he's John the baptizer, and some say Elijah, some Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He pressed them, and how about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus came back and said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now hold that intention as uh, we talk about today, Ephesians 6, 12 and 13, I'm going to read them to you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. When the day of evil comes. I, I used to think I was like uh, talking about a long way off or something and, and really a better reading of that. As the day of evil comes, as we prepare this, as the enemy gets ready to to sort of uh, be be moving things uh, around and, and causing the trouble that he can cause, we need to do everything that we can to stand because the battle is on. And one of the tricks that the enemy uses, one of his, his uh, favorite tricks, a very clever trick that he uses in order to promote evil, which is what he's trying to do, is to distract us. Uh, it's, it's distraction. The evil one wants to distract people from the truth. And whenever he can, evil flourishes. And, and he does it by keeping people more fixed on the natural than the supernatural, on the temporary than the eternal. We talked about a lot of that concept in this, in this uh, study together, and we've looked at those things. But it's a, it's a huge trick that the enemy wants to um, use on us is to distract us, to keep us focused off the, the bigger truth, which is the eternal, and more focused on the temporary where we get distracted. And, and where we often sort of um, uh, turn and get, get consumed by the temporary and we forget where real life is. Because real life is found in, in hanging out with him and in walking with him. And then as we do that, he moves us into the now because that's where we exist. That's where we live. But we can't focus on it and it can't consume us, which is what happens to the world around us. And so he his trick is to keep us more uh, um, consumed or focused on the things of man rather than on the things of God. Ephesians six uh, twelve now says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So our struggle is not against flesh and blood, um, but, but it, it tends to take precedent in our lives. And, and it distracts us. Um, and, and it moves us into putting the things of men before the things of God. Focusing on the temporary instead of the eternal. And so we, we have to um, move past this. We have to figure this out in our lives. And to do that, and really the, the place where standing up to evil begins is knowing the answer to this question that I'm about to give you. This is the big question and answer that you should know. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? The way that you answer that question determines everything about you live, how you live in this life. It determines everything about this life and the next one. It has a huge impact on everything that you do. Who do you say that Jesus is? Um, <clears throat> I think I recounted this story to you once before, but it's, it's one of my uh, favorite stories. So you've probably heard it more than once, or maybe you haven't if if you're new here. I I, I think back to this time when I was in 10th grade, which was a long time ago now. It was before electricity, and uh, we used to have to walk 25 miles to school, uphill both ways, uh, in the snow with no shoes. You know how that works. Um, 10th grade, and I had an English Lit class that I was taking, and the day before a test, this teacher Uh, I've, I've forgotten her name now. I used to know it. But this teacher used to stand up in front of the class with a copy of the test and she would literally read the test to us question and answer everyone, and you were allowed to take notes. She would give you every question that was going to be on the test and every answer for every question that was going to be on the test. And you could write it all down. These were absolutely the easiest tests I have ever taken in my life. There was no reason that everybody shouldn't get 100% on that test. And yet, here's what used to fascinate me. A large percentage of that class would either fail those tests or get poor grades on them. And I used to be incredulous. I was like, she gave you every question and every answer yesterday every single one of them and you could write them down so that you could think about them overnight and and they they wouldn't do it now back then i used to think they were stupid but in in reflecting on it it wasn't they were stupid they were distracted and rather than moving into the opportunity they had to get the questions and the answers they were doing other things they were thinking about other things they were thinking about the temporary things in their life and they were missing the bigger picture and and so Uh, it's easy to get distracted in life. And the answer to the most important question that I just gave you is given to us in the scripture by Peter, and it was revealed to Peter by God, Matthew 16, 13 through 18. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The answer of the question of who Jesus is, is Jesus is the Christ, which means Messiah or anointed one, the Son of the living God. That's the answer to the most important question in life. He wasn't just a good rabbi or a good teacher or a philosopher who showed up. He wasn't, you know, just one of a bunch of good guys. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the one who came to deliver and save us, the Son of the living God. That's the answer to the most important question in life. That is the answer. And the, the rock that Jesus is talking about that he'll build his church on there is the answer to that question. It's that understanding that God gives directly by revelation to Peter and, and thereby to all of us, about the answer to this most important question in life. It's the foundation for a life in Christ that allows us to stand up to evil because the gate of of Hades, the gates of Hades, will not overcome it. And so it reminds us of what's really important and, and what really matters and that it's all ultimately all about Jesus. And so with that answer in mind, you gotta think about the second point, which is this, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. And yet it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get distracted. Because look what happens to Peter in the very next moment from when that took place in verses 21 through 26 of the same chapter, Matthew 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? So the enemy distracts Peter, and he does it by getting the focus on the things of Man, rather than the things of God. And Jesus makes it clear as you follow through in that service, uh, in that passage of scripture, that our focus has to be on the things of God to experience life. He says, whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? What good would it be if you got all um, completely focused on the temporary and somehow, which you can't do, made it all work out just right, and yet you missed real life? Life now and forever. What good would it do you if you missed the bigger picture in what's happening? And, and, and we have to be careful because it's easy to get distracted. And it's easy to get focused on the things of man rather than the things of God. How does the enemy do it? Fortunately, he uses the same tactics all the time. His tactics haven't changed from the garden. Um, they, they, they've stayed the same that he uses. And in 1 John 2.16... They're outlined for us. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does come not from the Father but from the world. This, these are the same three that he's used throughout time. The enemy's used, like I said, back in the garden It's what he started with. He tried them again on Jesus in, in the temptation time in the desert. They didn't work on Jesus, but they were the same three. And he's working them on us all the time to see where he can get us to, to bite the fruit, so to speak. The first one is the lust of the flesh. And, and the lust of the flesh has this, this uh, a picture in our contemporary culture of, of if it feels good, do it. If, if we think something feels good, then we sort of carte blanche think, well, then it should be okay for us. And that's a very temporary focus. Um, we, we think we've evolved, uh, we've come a long way. And a lot of times we go, well, the word of God really doesn't count in this situation because you know it feels good. God wants me to be happy. And so therefore it's gotta be okay. But it's a distraction from the truth of the simple question in life. Who's Jesus? Christ, the Messiah. Life is found in following after him. So it it, it gets us all the time. The the other one that gets us is the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. You need it, you deserve it, and somehow life just won't be complete without it. And we see things, and and, uh, again, we we fall into this all the time. This is is why advertisers are so successful. They show us things, and, and they make us think that we just cannot have a life without them. And maybe before we'd seen them, we never even thought about those things. And we didn't know we were missing. But all of a sudden, they plant in us, oh, well, now you're not really experiencing life because you don't have this. Or you haven't been to this spot. Or you haven't done these things. Because we've seen them, and now we think we've got to have them. Or life's not complete. And it's a trap. Because it's, it's so temporarily focused that we miss what matters. And the last one is the pride of life. And this is the one that, that stumbles us probably more than all the rest. And this is the one that I think he got Peter with. Because think about Peter. Now, remember, Peter had this struggle anyway. He's hanging out with these guys. They're always trying to figure out who the greatest one is among them. He's got a pretty much ongoing battle with several of the other disciples. And here he is, and the big question comes, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, that's it. That's exactly the right answer. And that didn't come from you. That came from my Father in heaven. Can you imagine at that moment that Peter was a little pumped up? I got it right. I ha 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 ha. God spoke to me. I got it right. Didn't say it to you guys. You didn't say nothing. I got it right. That's my imitation of Peter. Being a little proud. I don't know if he would have done that, but nonetheless, I did it. So what's he do with that information? Well, I'm the greatest disciple. And when Jesus starts saying something he doesn't agree with, what's he do? He pulls Jesus aside and says, no, that's not going to happen. <clears throat> Can you imagine? But do you get where he got stuck? All of a sudden, he just thought he had it all figured out. The pride of life gets him. And, and Jesus has to lovingly, which it really was, it may not have felt it, bring him back to reality. Because he was lost at that moment thinking he knew more about what was happening than Jesus the Son of the Living God very God do you, do you get it see it was a distraction that got him in trouble And and that's what we have to be aware of and that's why it's so important that we take time to really get connected and focused and, and, uh, uh, you know, thankful and then really take time understanding how important this spiritual armor is in the battle that we're about to engage in because the battle is real and the enemy is trying to do that and that doesn't seem, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, it must be this huge thing going on. Just trying to distract you off the truth. That happens all the time. We buy into it all the time. And, and so we, we need to get better connected, closer to the Lord. So we're more aware of it in the process. And then we go, wait, wait, no, that's a trap. I don't need that for life. The, the, uh, the, if, you know, it's not all about what feels good. It's not all about what looks good. It's not all about the, you know, pride of life. That's not where life is found. Life is found in knowing the answer to the question. Who do you say Jesus is? Knowing the right answer as revealed by God. And then allowing that to impact the way that you live this life. Loving God, loving others, loving yourself, being thankful, encouraging people, and doing the next right thing. And that's, that's what it looks like as we engage in this. So that sort of sets up where we're headed over the next uh, series of weeks as we sort of talk in detail about what each piece of that armor does for us and how it impacts us, how it helps us to stay even more connected to the Lord in the process of and uh, so be thinking about that. Be reading those verses over the next week, Ephesians 6:12 through 18, uh, about the armor of God and what it means. And think about how these distractions are impacting your life and and getting better focused so that they don't take us away from the truth and from experiencing the life that God has for us. Amen? Amen. All right, if you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for spending these moments with us. We appreciate you doing that. We know... How valuable your time is. Uh, If there's anything that uh, you need from us or we can do, email us or call us and we'll see what we can do. And we'll certainly be praying for you in the process. You can shut the